Well, good morning. Praise God. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. He is good and His mercy endures forever. Praise God for that. Um, I want to receive the offering. If the ushers could please help me. Uh, if you need an offering envelope, you're getting cash. Otherwise, you can make your check out to Destiny Church. There is a way to give online. Um, I don't know. They'll put it up there on the screen, a way that you can give online. There's ways to give online. But if you're giving cash right now, would like a receipt, just slip your hand up. One of these ushers will give you an offering envelope. If you're making out a check, I think someday we're going to come to the point where I'll say check, and everybody's going to go, what's a check? But there's still checks around. Is that right? We're still writing checks. And so um, just go ahead, write the check to Destiny Church. Let's pray over our offering. Thank you, God, we can give. You love uh, us, uh, a cheerful giver, Lord. We just thank you that we can give cheerfully unto you because we know that we're planting good seed that will reap a harvest. We just thank you for that. Now, in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, men, pass the offering buckets. Um, and so I do have a few announcements here. Um, our, chi- our children's ministry classes are in need of teachers. And so if you would like to be involved in the teaching or teaching of children, um, there's no one. We just talk to Linda. She's with the flower there. Um, the flower child there. She asked, talk to her. Um, and then also, if you want to update your information, Dave will be in the back. Where's Dave? He left. Everybody's leaving me. I don't know. He was over here uh, carrying the table all by himself like Hercules. He'll be in the back. So if you want to update your information or if you would like the, uh, more information about the church, whatever. And then um, also we have Dave. How many remember Dave Wagner? Remember him? <laughs> He'll be here uh, 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 June, I think it's 12th and 13th. Is that right, June 12th and 13th? Sat- oh, 14th. Or tw- 12th and 13th and 14th, I think is what it is. Saturday night. Huh? 12 and 13. Saturday night, Sunday morning. Okay, so uh, Saturday night service starts at 6.30 right here. Sunday morning is 10 o'clock. So Dave has a prophetic ministry. He's a great brother, very encouraging. You'll really get a lot out of it. So that's, um, that's June in just a couple weeks here, June uh, 13th, 12 and 13. I wish it was on here, but they, I, but they don't have it on here. And so God's good. Amen. We're glad that you're here today with us, and we're excited to get into the Word. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them with me to June. Wow, really? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're talking about the armor of God. And last week I talked, I used a little phrase uh, from a product called Armor All. And so this one, this week I titled this message, Armor Up. And so we're going through the different pieces of the armor that God has provided. And, um, you know, uh, it's important that we understand that whether you like it or not, you're in a battle, a spiritual wrestling match, so to speak. And, um, you know, the Bible tells us that, you know, Satan has been defeated, but he doesn't act like he's defeated. And so basically what we're doing is we're enforcing the victory of Calvary. Um, You know, like I heard a person say this one time, he said, We won't be defeated by a defeated foe. He's already been defeated. We'll look at some of those verses today. But we have to enforce that victory. Otherwise, he he won't give up. He acts like there was no cross and resurrection. 
And we got to continue to remind them there was a cross and there was a resurrection. And what happened at the cross and what happened at the resurrection, we got to keep reminding him that so that he understands that he is defeated. And but the Bible tells us, you know, Paul said this in Ephesians chapter six. Let's read this together. He says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's a reference to people. But we do wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So actually, you can see that there's four classes or four types of evil spirits that he talk, he's talking about there. Satan has a kingdom. It's organized. And, uh, and so, and, and we're, uh, these organized demons affect our lives every day. And so we wrestle against them. And then it says, therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. I like that. It, it's, it's not the armor. It's the armor of God. One guy said it like this. It's God's fighting suit. You should say amen after that. God's fighting suit. How many know when God, God's got a pretty spectacular fighting suit? So this is not something that we, the works that we, we do to achieve. But this is God, something God's provided for us. And, but we have to put it on. That's the thing behind it. And no one is immune because remember when Jesus was on the earth, he was attacked, tempted, attacked by the devil. So nobody is immune. Nobody's immune. Every single one of us will be attacked from time to time by the enemy. I'm not trying to give you bad news, but I'm just telling you that's the facts, the way they are. And, uh, and so he says, take up the whole armor of God, all the pieces, which is what we're talking about, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. How many can kind of see that he's trying to tell you to stand? He's trying to tell you to stand, to, to take your stand. See, I remember, you know, I told you this last week, the first dream I ever had after I got saved and baptized in the Spirit was I was a part of a group of, of young people and the dream was about them. And I, I saw this dream in the valley. I saw all these people and they had great these sophisticated weapons. And then I looked over to the right and I saw the enemy with these little pea shooter guns and opened up on these group of people. And they were totally unaware that they were in a battle. They were totally unaware of the threat and the danger that was out there. And a lot of times I find that Christians are like that. They're unaware that there is actually a spiritual battle that they're involved in. They just think that it's kind of the well, this is kind of the turn of the dice or this is kind of the way things happen, whatever. But a lot of times you'll see that the enemy, he'll try to come in and he'll try to be like a flood. And he'll try to overwhelm us with problems and difficulties. How many of you in the world they have this expression, when it rains, it what? Pours. Why is that? Because it's like it's, things are just happening one right after another. That is a sign that the enemy is behind it. He's manipulating situations He's manipulating people and he's bringing in an attack against you. And you have to be alert to it. And so he said, Paul says here, put on the whole armor, the armor that God provides. Put it all on that you may be able to stand. So that means without this armor, you won't be able to stand. And this, every piece of this armor addresses an area where the enemy's going to attack you. That's why it's so important to understand each piece and understand putting it on is the thing that causes us to be able to stand. I'm not trying to create fear, but I'm just, how many know that we're supposed to be sober? And I don't, that doesn't just mean, you know, don't drink and get drunk. It means to be, to live your life. It's great to laugh. I love to laugh. I love joy. 
I love happy emotion. I love great jokes. Not dirty jokes, but great jokes. I love to laugh, but there is a place for being sober, to be, to be alert, to be on your guard. Not just kind of walk around like, do, to do, to do, to do. I mean, what's going to happen is if you don't realize that there is a spiritual realm and that the enemy is trying to knock you out, take you out, either get you to backslide or get you to render you ineffective for the kingdom. Ineffective for the kingdom. Render you, you know, like a wounded soldier where you're ineffective for the kingdom. And the enemy's trying to do that. And so that's why it's very important that we understand this armor and that we put it on. How many can see what I'm saying? Okay, so let's go through the armor here. Have you put on the, the first thing that he says is, uh, stand therefore having, your gird, gird, having girded your loins with truth or waist about with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you were able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So here, going through these different, last week I talked about your loins girt about with truth. And, and so I actually saw a picture on, on the internet. You can, you can type in, don't do it now, but listen to my sermon right now, but afterwards do it. So uh, you can type in loins girded out with truth. And they'll actually have a picture of how they did that, how they girded their loins with truth. But they wore robes. I mean, guys wore robes. It's like we wear, you know, sometimes we wear a bathrobe or something. or a, Is that what it's called, a bathrobe? And so we, it's like a robe. It go, went down to about where their ankles were. And so, and so when they, the very first thing they did when they got prepared for battle was they girded this up. They took this robe up. They pulled it up and they tied it around their waist. They tied it around their waist. Otherwise, if they didn't do that, the enemy could step on it or they would trip over it or something bad would happen or get tore or whatever. And so what does that speak of? That's a picture of something. And it's really a picture of our emotional or our feelings. That we have to gird our, our loins. We have to gird up our feelings. And like I said last week, feelings are incredible. It's wonderful to feel. How many know that's true? I mean, who wants to be a Dr. Spock? For Pete's sakes, come on. Nobody wants to be that. That's illogical or whatever. We love, I mean, it's great, it's great to feel. You know, you look at your wife, you go, whoo, glory be to God. God, the Lord is good, right? And that feeling comes, thank you. That feeling comes, you go, oh, I love that feeling. We even have a song that I used, I, when I was a kid, it was called, I'm Hooked on a Feeling. I'm, how many know that song? I'm high, I'm believing, you're in love with me. Right? So when the feelings, and I come to church sometimes, and I'm just like, I'm all jibed up, you know, I'm just like, hey, hey. And they start singing the song, and I'm just like, whoa. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, this is awesome. But what happens when the feeling goes? Because how many know that sometimes feelings can be fickle? Or the feelings start pointing you in the wrong direction. I remember one time I had this couple come, and they were married to somebody else, but they had been having an affair. And so they came to me, and they said they were going to divorce their mates. They are going to marry each other. Now get this, they, they were Christians, and I use that in the loosest possible term. And they, and they, sa and they said they're going to do this. And I said, they said, well, we know it's sin. I go, Duh. 
And, but we're going to ask God to forgive us afterwards. And I go, okay, uh, you, on shaky ground, I think you're supposed to repent first. But anyway, so, but, uh, but then the, the guy said to me, now get this, he's in an adulterous affair. He's going to divorce his wife, marry this other woman. He says to me, I've never felt so close to God in my entire life. I'm going, your feelings are whack, buddy. Right? You, you, you should have a long time ago girded up your feelings and, and brought them in and, and, and checked them when, when this whole thing started. You know, the Bible says to flee youthful lust, doesn't it? You know, Jesus said it like this. He said, if your hand offends you, what? Cut it off. Now, you know, if, if we, every one of us that had a hand that offended us, we, we, we wouldn't be saying, clap your hands, all you people, shouting. We'd be, clap your stumps, all you people. I, I don't, so I, I know he's not talking literally there, but he's saying whatever it is that is offending, you, gotta, you, gotta, you can't play with feelings. Because once feelings get so strong and, they, and they're, out of, they're out of control, they get out of control because they will get out of control. If you meet the lady at the, you know, we don't, of course, at the water cooler, you know, and you kind of time it, everything. oh, she's going up there, and you start going up there and striking up a conversation, you start letting your feelings start to go out, go out, your little robe is going out, out, out. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to trip. You're going to trip and fall. That's why you got to gird that thing up with truth. Say, oh, no, oh, no, no, I'm cutting this off. If she's at the water cooler, I'm running the other way. Right? You got to go the other way. You got to go the other way. Otherwise, what will happen is you'll get trapped. You'll get, you'll get captured. I guess I got another story. You want to hear another one? Uh, so here's another one. This happened too a few years ago. This, this guy calls me. He says that his, he wants to meet with me. So I, I met with him. And he said that his wife is having an affair. And so I, I talked to him, and I, and I, I tried, actually, my wife and I met with her and tried to talk to her. And, but once, once your feelings have gone so far and your heart is captured, it's so hard to turn back. You should have girded your loins a long time ago. And I said, how did this happen? And he said, well, she, she read hundreds, get this, hundreds of love novels about Fabio. You know Fabio. Fabio, whatever his name is. <laughs> Fabio in the desert island or whatever, the secluded, not desert, the secluded island. And there I am with Fabio on the, you know, and then finally she got captured. And, and so here again, when your feelings start to go in the wrong direction, like I said, it's wonderful when your feelings are going in the right direction. You wake up one morning, you go, I just love Jesus I love my wife. I love my kids. I love where I live. I just love life. It's wonderful when that happens. But when it doesn't happen, what are you going to do? You got to gird up. You got to gird up. You got to gird up your loins with truth. I talked about this last week, and so I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it. But it's such an important point of, of the enemy's attack in our lives. That's why we have to know what the truth of God's word is, and we got to take action. Now, even like in the Psalms where David said, where David would talk, he would talk to his soul. Basically, he's talking to his mind and his feelings. He'd say, why are you cast down? He would say, come on, hope thou in God. He would say, lift up your countenance, lift up your thought life, lift up your uh, heart to, to God. Come on, stir yourself up. 
shake yourself and, 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 cause you, and go the right direction. Amen? And so it's so important that we, that we um, watch how our feelings go. And, and really, because what happens is a lot of times you know, when God speaks to you, like when God talks to you, or sometimes your feelings are affected. Your feelings get affected. How many know that's true? Where you feel the presence of God or God moves on you, your feelings are affected. They're, 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 your feelings are moved. And so all of a sudden you start to think, if I feel it, it must be God. Well, that's not true. If you feel it, it might not be God. And so you have to, you have to do the right thing. By the scripture. So that's the first one. We talked about that. So that's what it means to gird up your loins with truth is, is you've got to check your feelings and, and make them submit to truth. The second one was breastplate of righteousness. Now, some people say, well, this is talking about our righteous works, but it's not because it's, a, it's the armor God provides. Our righteous works is something we provide. Uh, the, these are, these are, this is something God provides. One man said that righteousness is the most misunderstood subject in the New Testament. And so this isn't works righteousness, but this is the gift of righteousness that God gives to us when we receive Christ. So there's actually in the New Testament two kinds of righteousness spoken of. One is works righteousness, which is by the law, by keeping the law. The other one is faith righteousness, which is by, comes by believing in Christ. It's sort of like this. I meditated on this one time years ago. And God gave me this illustration. I'll try it out on you again. It really worked good when I first tried it. I'll try it again, see how it works with you. But So at that time, I, the IDS building was the tallest building in Minneapolis. And uh, you guys ever heard of the IDS building? Unless they call it something else now. But it's that big gray with a dark gray top. So the, that, that was the tallest building in Minneapolis. And there's two ways to the top. Two legitimate ways to the top. One is the stairwell. It's like 80 stories or some crazy number like that. So the stairwell is one way to the top. The other way to the top is the express elevator. Those are two legitimate ways to the top of that building. So the, the, in, in this illustration, the way the Lord pictured it to me was the top is righteousness or right standing with God. That, that, that typifies right standing with God, the top of the IDS building. And so there's two ways to get there. One is the stairway, which is righteousness by works. How many know that would be a labor to climb the stairs? Righteousness by works. And the other one is the express elevator, but all you got to do is step inside. And all of a sudden, woo, you're, you wake up. You Not wake up, but you, well, we, when the door's open, voila, there you are. You want to hear a funny joke? Just help me remember where I was so I don't forget it. These guys look like you need a joke. Uh, so, so this this Amish guy, he had never seen an elevator. Ever heard this one before? He had never seen an elevator before, and so he was in in this place where there's an elevator. And him and his son were standing there, and all of a sudden, this old lady gets gets on the elevator, and, and the door's shut. And uh, a few minutes later, the doors open. And this beautiful woman walks out, and the little boy goes, "What was that?" He goes, "I don't know, but go get your mother." <laughs> of course, we would never say that, but, it, but, but here, here's my point. So there's two ways, to, two legitimate ways to righteousness. One is the stairwell, 
which is works righteousness. The other one is the elevator, which is faith righteousness. The only problem is this. The person trying to get to the top has a heart condition. And so the minute the person starts climbing the stairs, what happens is the stairs reveals his heart condition and he falls dead. And that's what Paul said when he talks about the law. Paul said the law is good. The law is holy. The law is, he even said the law is spiritual, but he said, I am the problem. And when I come in contact with the law, all I end up doing is realizing that I, I don't measure up. I'm a sinner. You know, Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he said, he said, the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Then he said this, knowing this, that the, the law was not made for a righteous man. But for the, then he said, for the lawless, and he went through a whole list of different types of sin. What is the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law is to show us that we don't measure up and that we need a savior. Through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Through the law, the law tells us that we are, we are in need of a savior. The law points to Christ. The Bible says that Christ is the end of the law for, for righteousness. What, what does that mean? That means that the, the, the logical conclusion of the law is you need a savior. You in trouble. You're going to split hell wide open. You need a savior. That's the logical conclusion of the law. So a lot of times what happens is, you know, when you talk to somebody who's self-righteous, you got to use the law on them. You know, it was, it's like grace to the humble, law to the proud. You know, to talk to somebody, you say, well, I'm a good person. Really? Have you ever told a lie? Well, not a big lie. What's a big lie? What's a little lie? Have you ever told a lie? Well, I guess so. Have you ever, ever looked on the opposite sex with lust in your heart? Well, may, maybe. Have you ever stole anything? I mean, even a paperclip. Have you ever stole a paperclip? Well, maybe. So you're a lying, adulterous thief. And on judgment day, if God judges you, you're, you're going to split hell wide open. So what do you need? You need a savior, right? You need Jesus. You need, you need the mercy and the grace that comes from Jesus. That's what you need. And that's what he's talking about here. So there's two righteousness spoken in the Bible. Look at, look at Romans, Romans chapter, um, let's see here. Romans chapter 10, it says, verses 3 and 4, it says, For they, talking about Israel, being ignorant of God's righteousness. Notice the term God's righteousness. And seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Notice God's righteousness, their own righteousness. Then in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Paul says, And I may be found in him, not having my own righteousness. There again, my own righteousness, which is from the law. I want to be found in Christ, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Because you see, why do we need righteousness? Or why do we need to have a sense of righteousness? Because the enemy's greatest tactic against our life is accusation. You don't measure up. You'll never be good enough. Look at your past. Look at all the things you've done. He'll constantly accuse us. In fact, in Revelation chapter 12, he is called the accuser of the brethren. Accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night. 
But notice it says that he, in, in Revelations 12, verses 10 and 11, it says that he is cast out, the accuser is cast out, and it says they overcame the accuser by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, they loved not their lives unto death. So they overcame by what Jesus provided, the accuser. So Satan, when he accused you, say, listen, I'm, I'm righteous because of what Jesus did, not because of what I do. Amen? I've been declared righteous, not by what I do. I'm declared righteous by what Jesus did, and I accepted that fact. See, I said this one time, heaven is not filled with perfect people. Well, they're probably perfect when they, when they get to heaven, but I don't know. But it's not filled with perfect people. Heaven is filled with forgiven people. Heaven is filled with forgiven people. In other words, not people, not people who live perfect lives on earth, but people who have received the forgiveness that comes by trusting Christ for their salvation. So when this reality gets into your spirit, it gets into your heart, what happens? It's like a shield that comes up over your chest. It's called the breastplate of righteousness. Because when the enemy attacks, you go, I got this shield right here. You're never going to convince me that I'm condemned. Never in a million years. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid for it. I'm under the blood of Christ. I am not condemned. I am forgiven. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And just lamb blast him with scripture. Amen. You're never going to convince me that I'm condemned ever. Because if you say that this is works righteousness, the enemy will always say you haven't done enough because the devil always pushes you and pushes you and say, you got to do more. You got to do more. You got to do more. If you want to measure up, be accepted, you got to do more. You got to do more. And religious spirits always push you to do more and more and more. And we're not called to do more and more and more. We're called to respond to the spirit of God. And the spirit of God gently leads us and prompts us. Amen. And so we have to get this in our spirit that I'm righteous, not because of what I do. I'm righteous because of what he did. I point to him. I don't point to myself. I point to him. Amen. That's good preaching. I don't know. care what anybody says. And so basically we start out at the, in Christ Jesus. We start out at where the others trying to obey the law we're trying to get to. We start out there. I'm a new creature in Christ. The new man is created in righteousness and true holiness. So that's the breastplate of righteousness. And that is something that we, you will be attacked where you question your salvation. You question if you've been forgiven. You'll question that if you don't have your breastplate in place. And so how do you get your breastplate in place? Well, you have to take some time and, 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 and meditate on scripture. Begin to see that righteousness is a gift. Romans chapter 5 says that righteousness is a gift. It has to be received, but it's a gift. The gift of righteousness. In fact, let's look at that verse. I think I wrote that one down. That's a really good verse. It says, Romans 5, 17, it says, For if, any, for if by one man's offense, that's talking about Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Everybody say gift. Gift of righteousness. Notice it's a gift of righteousness. Remember that Old Testament verse in Isaiah? It says, no weapon formed against you can prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment is condemned. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness comes from me, saith God. 
So in other words, what he's saying is, I'm your righteousness. How righteous are you if you have God's righteousness? I don't think you can be any more righteous. Amen? So what, what am I right now? I'm righteous. Well, you were sure arrogant thing. I didn't say I, I'm perf I do everything perfect. I'm saying that I received the gift of righteousness and I was declared righteous. I remember one time I heard this story about this preacher. You want to hear a story? Okay, I'll give you another story. I can give you a joke, but I'll, I'll give you a story this time. So, so this preacher, he said when he was a little kid, he would travel with his dad in the summertime. His dad was a traveling salesman. And so he said he, he, they went in to check into this motel. And, um, and he, he said they were playing some game where they had chalk or something, where they, where they moved something. They used chalk to slide it. or I don't know what the game was. But anyways, so they were doing that. And so he's over there. You know how little kids are. They walk over there. And he walks over there. And he sees all this chalk. So he starts going. He starts running his finger in the chalk. Well, the guys, you know, they start yelling at him. Hey, kid, get away from that chalk. And he's like, oh, he's scared, you know. And so all of a sudden he feels this big hand on his shoulder and he looks up and it's his daddy. And his daddy pulls him around behind him and says, you got anything to say to that boy? You say it to me. And, and he said, I'm standing there behind my dad going, yeah. <laughs> right? And that's kind of how it is. Our righteousness is of Him. Amen. Our righteousness comes from Him. And it's His righteousness. You know, it was, it was interesting. I, I read one time in the Old Testament where, in Numbers where uh, the prophet Balaam was, was hired to come and curse God's people. And, um, and so, but every time he got up and he, and he looked, the Spirit of God would come upon him and he'd bless him. He'd bless the people. And there's this one, this one prophecy where it says he, 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 he does all these sacrifices and he looks at God's people. He sees them there. And all of a sudden he, he starts prophesying. And he says this. Now listen to this. He says, he has not, God has not regarded iniquity in Jacob. I just, when I read that one time, I thought, wow, if he hasn't seen iniquity in those people, he ain't looking. Because they're a bunch of knuckleheads. Right? I mean, they're making golden calves and all kinds of stuff. I mean, there are a bunch of knuckleheads, but it says he has not regarded iniquity. When God looks at you, you know, when I, the church, the way I grew up was that God follows you around with a book and takes notes on your life. And everything you do wrong, he, record, he goes, ooh. And then on Judgment Day, we play it. Hey, how would you like to be, go to that movie? I, I mean, I don't want to go to mine, but I want to go to yours. <laughs> I'm going to go, i got to go to this guy's movie. <laughs> I go, he is a scoundrel. I knew it. Right? I mean, but how many know that's not the way it is? Because the Bible says that he is not counting up. I might get excited. I just felt a, a little thrill of excitement right there. He is not counting up or holding against men their trespasses. But what is he doing? He's canceling them and committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. What happened? Oh, holy water. <laughs> Committed to us the ministry. Of so what he's not counting up or holding against men their trespasses. What is he doing? Canceling them. Amen. Cancel them out. So if you bring them up, you go, well, remember when I did that? He goes, no, I don't remember that. 
You know, it says he removed our transgression as far as the east is from the west. So far as he moved our... See, you, if you struggle with this, you should learn some of these verses and be able to quote them. And when the attack comes, the evil day comes, you should be able to quote them. You know, I, I, I've memorized probably hundreds of verses, and they're strategic verses. I, don't, I didn't memorize Jesus wept. I guess I did. But, I mean, that's really not a strategic verse. I memorize strategic verses. Like, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Since God is for us, who can be against us? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Even when I walk through the valley of the shepherd, I'll fear no evil. Thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Thou anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. It's not just full. It's running over. Surely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I remember, I, rem, I, I memorize strategic verses so I can answer. I can, I can give a response. You need to be able to give a response when the evil day comes. Amen? I, that's why I memorize most of Romans 8, where it says, all things work together for good. Amen? Amen? Who shall lay a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? It's Christ that died. Yea, that is, rather that is risen again. It's like every time you do that, you're poking the devil. He goes, I don't want to be over there anymore with him. <laughs> he whips out that sword and... Ear, ear, ear. Hey, did you hear this one? <laughs> my God meets my needs. Since God is for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not freely give us all things? Poke, poke, poke. Right? See, we're in a spiritual battle. We have to have, we have, to have our armor on. So that's the breastplate of righteousness. That's a pretty good one, isn't it? So you should, you should memorize verses. If you are troubled... Or if you're not uncertain about that, seeing yourself righteous, seeing yourself accepted. It says, the Bible says that we are accepted in the beloved. You know, a lot of times certain religions talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, they pray to her. And I'm not here to criticize other churches, but I'm just saying, you know, the same thing that the angel said about Mary when he said, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you. Those same words or phrases the Bible uses to us. Did you know that? In Ephesians chapter 1, it says that we're highly favored. Look at your neighbor and say, you're highly favored. You're not just favored, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. Say that. The Lord is with you. Hebrews chapter 12, 13, or Hebrews chapter 13 says, he said, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Ever that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. He will never leave me. He will never leave you. He will never leave us or forsake us. That we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. So we have to have a response. All right, as I bring this to a close, is it my time up? (laughs) That was a test to see how you think the sermon's going. 
No, it's not over. I mean, it's not. It's going good. You know. What I mean? So let's look at this next one, okay? So the next one is called having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so how many know that your shoes are very important? You know, they say that if you're, when you're old, there's only two things that matter to you. And one is a good pair of shoes. And I won't tell you what the other one is. It's a bathroom comment. But shoes are very important. I, I, I know that too, especially us who live in, you know, we live in adverse weather. Your footwear is very important. Uh, it, foot, your shoes create stability, comfort, protection from weather. In sports, your shoes can make or break a game. You ever watch these guys, you know, they get the ball. The field is wide open. And they take a corner and they go, whoop, bam. You go, ah. You know, but his, he lost his footing. And he lost his footing, so he kind of, he screwed up. So your shoes are very important. Amen. They make a difference. They can make the difference between winning and losing. You know, they say that one of the problems with George Washington's army at, during the, the Continental Army during the Revolutionary War is that the men lacked proper footwear in the winter. And a lot of them died. They froze to death because they didn't have proper footwear. But in hand-to-hand combat and in battle, your footing is extremely important. To have good footing, to be able to stand, have good footing is extremely important. And so Paul says here, our feet must be shod, listen to this, must be shod with the footing of the gospel of peace. Our footing must be, our feet must be shod with a footing of the gospel of peace. So what is the gospel of peace? Not the gospel only, but the, and not just peace only, but the gospel of peace, those two words that's used. So what is the gospel of peace? You know, when Jesus was born, the angels announced peace on earth, goodwill towards men in whom he is pleased. How many ever heard that song? So that's what we, we sing about that every Christmas time. The angels announced that, and so people go, they think that that meant peace between people or peace between nations, but it wasn't that. Because how many can tell we haven't had peace between nations since then? It's not peace between people, it's not peace between nations, but it's peace between God and man. Peace between God and man. In other words, the war is over. The war between you and God is over. And it's not because of something that you did, but it's something that God did. It's something that God did in the person of Jesus Christ. He did something, and the angels announced that from this day, from this day forward, because of what Jesus was going to do, the war between God and man is over, if there's going to be peace. God is going to establish peace with the human race. Isn't that powerful? So look at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, now that we have God's approval by faith, we have peace with God because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done. Through Christ, we can approach God and stand in his favor. So we brag because our confidence, we brag of our confidence that we will receive the glory or glory from God. Peace with us is what God established in the person of Jesus Christ. He made peace with us. Now, you might not be at peace with him, but he's at peace with you. 
See, how could he be at peace with me? Because of what Jesus did. Because he put away your sin. He took your sin and put it on Jesus so that you could go free and he could have a, a covenant, make a covenant of peace with you. And so the way God looks at you, you're not his enemy. You're not at odds with him. He's, he, he has committed him or he has reconciled himself to you in the person of Christ. That's really powerful when you think about it. And so what he says, when he says your feet are shod, it's, it's shod. In other words, there's your, your footing, your, your, feet, your feet are shod with that truth that I stand. And the enemy would try to come and say, well, you know, God doesn't really think that much of you. Hey, hey, wait a second. He made peace with me. I, I'm standing here uh, in this knowledge that I have, have, I have peace with God. I've been established with peace with God. There's nothing that hinders my relationship with him. I'm standing here in, the, in peace. You know, it's interesting. Here's a verse. Look at Romans chapter 16, verse 20. It says, The God of peace will quick, quickly crush Satan under your feet. Of course he will. Because your feet are shod with the gospel of peace. Will quickly crush Satan under your feet. May the goodwill of our Lord Jesus be with you. It's another way of saying the grace. But so he's, he's saying here that the God of peace, it's interesting, you know, God's called the God of, the God of hope in the previous chapter, but here he's, he's specifically talking about Satan being crushed, and he refers to God as the God of peace, the God that has established peace, the God that has made peace with the human race. That God will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Amen. In other words, you, that's why Jesus said you will tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the work of the, all, all the power of the enemy. When you start seeing the fact that you are at, you and God are at peace, there's nothing that hinders you and God as far as he's concerned. That's why in Romans chapter 8, I love this verse. I think I quoted it earlier. It says, what shall we say to these things? Since God is for us, or if God is for us, who can be against us? How many know that God's for you? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you know, God is for you. Most people don't think that. They don't, th they don't think like that. God's for you. God's for you. Yeah, he's for you. It's like, um, I remember I heard this story. I, I don't know much about elephants, but um, I remember I heard this story about in Africa. So if you ever go to Africa, this is, you, you heard this from me. This will help you out there. But they say, they say that, you know, if, you, if, there's a, if there's a big, big elephant, big elephant, and, and you kind of like, oh, let's see the elephant. And the big elephant starts doing this with his ears. That usually means it's a mommy. And it has a little one by it somewhere. And that means it, you better stay away. And, and so this guy was telling the story where he, he, um, he was... You know, they were in Africa, and all of a sudden, he was with a guy, and, the, and all of a sudden, he looks up, and he sees the, this big elephant doing this. He goes, we better, we better go. Why? I want to get close to the elephant. No, we better go, because he's doing that. And so what, what does that mean? Well, it's probably a mommy, and he's got a little one somewhere. We just can't see it. And all of a sudden, behind the big mommy, huge, huge mommy, there's this, this little one that looks out, peeks around, looks up at mommy. That's how you and me is with God. It's like God, you know, when the enemy comes in, the, 
God starts doing this. And I look up at God, I go, I think we can take them. <laughs> right? Amen. Since God is for us, God is for us. Who can be against us? Then he says, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That's in the Bible. That's a great verse. Why is this possible? Because he made peace with us. Now you make peace with him. Let's all stand together. Hallelujah. Praise God. So the armor of God, folks. Maybe it wasn't as exciting as I envisioned in my head. Because I, I was envisioning in my head that you would be, you know, biting the sheetrock off the wall and <laughs> kicking the backs of the chairs out. And don't do that, though, by the way. But, but, but how many know that this is pretty powerful, really, when you think about it? And see, when this gets into your spirit where God is for you, where God is for you, turn to your neighbor and tell him God's for you, you know. When you get that in your spirit, when God is on your side, he is for you. And the way we know that is that he gave his son for you. If he gave his son for you, how will he not? He values you. You're valuable to him. And, and because you're valuable to him, he's, he's for you. You know, it's like, um, it's like sometimes people go, you know, that's why it's, it's dangerous to criticize God's people. Because you realize, you know, you're criticizing somebody that's God's for that person. I mean, there's a redemptive way to talk to people that are missing, missing it. But it's not just to go around and blab about it. Right? Why? Because God's for that person. God's on that person's side. God's working for that person's good. And he's working all things together for that person's good. Why? Because that person... God is for that person, and God is for you. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And so, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We just come to you now, Jesus. We're just so grateful that you love us, that you provided armor for us, your armor. God's the armor that, you prov that you've provided, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for truth that we can gird our loins with. Thank you, Lord, for breastplate of righteousness that we can protect our vital organs from. Thank you, Lord, for a foundation, Lord, that we can stand firm in the gospel of peace, Lord. Thank you that you made peace with me. You made peace with us, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. As you have your head bowed and your eyes closed, or anybody here that has never made peace, never made peace with God, he made peace with you, but you've never made peace with him. You don't know where you stand spiritually with God. You're not sure where you stand. And you'd like me to pray for you, because I'd love to pray for you. You'd like me to pray for you, but I need to know who you are. So if you've never made peace with God, you'd like me to pray for you. Just slip your hand up so I can see it. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? You've never made peace with God. Once you put your hand up, you can put it back down again. Anybody else? You've never made peace with God. 
You've never made peace with God, but you'd like me to pray for you. Could I see your hand? Anybody else? Okay, we had a couple people raise their hand. Let's just pray together, all of us here. Let's join them. And you that raise your hand, just pray this prayer and mean it from the bottom of your hearts. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. You were buried. The third day you rose again for me. And I believe that you are my Savior. I confess that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me right now. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Take away my sin. I believe that you died. And I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord. Jesus Christ is my Lord. And I renounce Satan and his works right now in Jesus' name. And I commit my life to Christ totally in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's turn to your neighbor right now and say, Jesus is Lord. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that. Go ahead, let's sing this song. There is a name who reigns without contention, whose power can't be questioned or contained with humble faith. Rules the earth and heavens, his glory knows no measure or refrain. In its bursting past the borderlands You're the king and you're the same. 
Thank you, Jesus. You know, it's interesting. There's always two realities that we as Christians are dealing with. One is our present circumstances, our present situations, how we feel, what it looks like. The other reality is what the Bible says. What faith does is faith simply chooses to look at what the Bible says and say, that's going to be my reality. That's my reality. And as, you know, the Bible says, looking away unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. That's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at God's reality. And what happens is, eventually, everything that is out of line begins to come into line. Isn't that good news? So I want to give you the opportunity to be prayed for. If you need prayer this morning, the, uh, if the co counselors could please come forward. If you need prayer this morning, if you did raise your hand for salvation, please come forward as soon as I dismiss and have one of these counselors just say, I, I raise my hand to receive Christ and have them pray for you. And um, just give you, maybe give you something to, to read also to kind of confirm your faith, amen. But if you need prayer for anything, you're going through a difficulty, physical problems, whatever, just as soon as I dismiss, please come forward and have them pray for you. Are you guys glad you came to church? You know, I'm glad you came because I wouldn't have anybody to preach to. Of course, I do preach a lot to myself, but it's always better to have somebody else to preach to anyways. But so it's been good to be with you guys. And uh, so uh, we're going to dismiss at this time. I pray, God, that you have an incredible week filled with God's blessings. And I just pray, God, that you know who you are in Jesus. Amen. But if you need prayer, please come forward. God bless you all. You're free to go.